0: On this episode, we'll be discussing startup hustle. We also caught up with Shane Mack, CEO of Assist. All this and more on this episode of Inside Outside.
1: Running a startup is hard. Running one outside the valley is even harder. Inside Outside is the podcast for inside access to startups outside the valley.
2: Each week, we'll bring you real insights, raw stories, and tactical advice from founders and startup teams around the country. Let's get started.
0: Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Inside Outside, an inside look at startups outside of Silicon Valley. My name is Matt Boyd. I'm Brian Ardinger.
2: And I'm Paul Jarrett.
0: So week eight, episode eight, to this week
1: we're going to be talking about hustle.
2: Yeah. Uh, how
1: uh, How was your weekend? You know, coming off a holiday weekend, it's kind of interesting to talk about hustle, but I think it was good. I actually did a little bit of work. I hustled. (laughs) I hustled a little bit, yeah. I I was just telling Brian.
0: I I, I was
2: just telling Brian, I felt like I got to work at a normal pace at work this weekend. Like I got to take my time. And I'm telling you, man, before 8 a.m., and holidays and weekends, like one hour of work it's is like three. Moment. It's like three times more powerful yeah. than an hour of work between Monday you, through Friday, eight to five.
1: I don't know if you get any more done, but just the mental load of the fact that it's like f- extra f- found time. Oh, and yeah, you can
2: just focus. Yeah, totally. <laughs> zen. So check it out, guys. I'm sitting up straight. My feet are planted.
1: And he's got a gold I, mic. Are serious? He's I, got a gold mic today. I did a
2: little, you know, Reddit searching on like, you know, recording and I, I felt like I sounded tired the last episode. <laughs> I don't want to come across like that. So I'm, I'm sitting up. I'm doing what I'm
0: supposed to do. Why are you sick last episode?
2: Yeah, maybe that's why I sounded <laughs> tired. Maybe that was it. Yeah, you were fairly drugged up. I'm going and- to smile and sit up and see if I sound any different. Also, <laughs> made the mistake of listening to the episode.
0: <laughs> welcome I welcome never, to my ugh, world.
2: Ugh, ugh, never <laughs> want to do that. Sounds like I have like one of those like clothespins on my nose. I don't want to talk like that. <laughs> but,
0: oh, well. So this week, we're going to be talking about hustle, um, a startup hustle specifically. What is hustle? in you guys mind. And I have a very specific opinion, opinion on this. Well, go go first then. All right. You never start first. You always introduce the topic, <laughs> wow, so go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think um, hustle is doing things that other startups and founders do not like, want to do or don't do. And so you go out of your way to accomplish things
1: that others can't or won't. Good definition. No, I think, yeah, I agree. I think that's a, that's a great way to look at it. I, I'm, hustle is everything from passion to, you know, actually getting people to buy your stuff. Yeah, um, I, and I think there's a little bit of subversiveness that has to be uh, around it. Like you've got to do things, like you said, that most people won't do. Yeah,
2: it sounds like a dirty word. Hustle? Hustle? Yeah, like if you know they say you need to have three: the hustler, the hacker, and the hipster. And like you guys are doing it again you're looking at me like no, oh no. god what's he gonna say
1: <laughs>
2: but like the like if you have to pick one of those three like you don't want to be the hustle that sounds like i don't know my my wife calls me the hustler out of the group so i actually have a hard time like understanding what the definition is because um i think you know to me i'm called the hustler of our group and I think. Well, I am just trying to do something better and faster.
0: That's yeah, I mean, I mean, it's very like I, I hate how this culture in general, the startup culture, like it creates buzzwords and then they're, they're used four thousand times, um, <laughs> inappropriately it, or it, otherwise. Yeah, growth I mean, hacker. It, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Realistically, it's just kind of like um, working hard and working very smart, and and just you know
1: being a slave to efficiency. It's also the the mouthpiece of the organization. Usually the hustler is the person who's out there on the street corner selling the goods.
2: Yeah. Growth hacker, also known as a really great marketer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We we can't
2: say that. We have to give them
0: a, we have to coin a term. Yeah. Right. We should, we should have a whole episode coining terms. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah, we should. Yeah, we should be be annoyed. Yeah. Does hustle look differently for sales for fundraising or is it generally just all the same Is is it kind of centered around emailing as many people as you can um getting in front of as many people as you can and kind of fine-tuning either your pitch or like what do you guys think
2: what do you think do you have a thought i'm trying to think of examples of hustling whenever we get into this i, I always hate the um um there was a Shane Mack we're, we're, I think we're going to talk about Shane Mack a lot. Cause he's kind of like, he's right. on this episode. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so he
0: kind of blew our mind.
2: Yeah. Well he was like, I'm like, that's the, that's hustle. hustle. That's the hustler. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was kind of blown away. So that stay tuned for a great interview with Shane Mack. <laughs> um, but I try to think of, um, examples cause I, I almost, I dislike this idea of this podcast being like, here's advice. I like the idea that we just say, Hey, here's what we went through or here's what we heard. But I always think of marketing, and I'm going to try to describe this without giving away any of our secrets, but whenever we find something in marketing that's like quirky and we acquire customers in an interesting way um, I love that point in time when somebody from the outsider inside our company says, well that'll never work or that won't scale or oh, yeah. like time like that won't work because of dot 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 or that mm. and I think the hustler like Automatically is past that point and they're already thinking about how to do things. So for instance, um, um, there was a, well, crap, I'm, I'm not going to take time to think of an example I'm just going to use, or a, a fake example, I'm just going to use what we did. Um, so we have found that we actually get um, a good number of subscriptions when we can kind of team up with a race, right? So mm-hmm. any company that's doing like yeah, a half yeah, marathon, right. marathon, etc., Um, we automatically I think as a group thought "Oh, that's really hard to scale because we have to contact somebody, we have to be a strategic partner, like that's a lot well we thought we kind of thought on it and went wait, who's making that race software? Mm. Okay let's go to them, how can we just be like a and, and I think that's kind of the and that's kind of like a good example of like how a hustler would think, like don't think about that end product like think about like draw the line of where that whole thing starts
1: well i think that's that's a great point too if you think about some of these growth hacks and that and you read about you know in a blog post that what mint did six years ago well a lot of those holes have been closed you know people have used them done them and the hustler is kind of looking for that next that next thing that could move the meter that people haven't tried yet or yeah um, you know so you think you've got to be careful about that vice you know and saying right. oh this worked for them well that worked for them because you know back in the day Google AdWords were cheap <laughs> you know right. that kind of stuff yep. um, versus what's, what's in the environment today that I can hack or, or take advantage of and, and manipulate or, or change to make it more effective for yeah. what I'm doing
0: This week's episode is brought to you by SP Accounting Group. Matt Westenberg and the team offer everything an up-and-coming startup needs from an accounting firm without the boring and dry, complicated bean-counter persona. We've all used Matt because he enables us to focus on our business while bringing insights and action to our numbers. From payroll to tax planning to bookkeeping and plenty of strategic guidance, call Matt Westenberg and say goodbye to your accounting troubles.
2: I always think of when we get emails or I get text messages now from software salesmen. Mm. Like they will literally text message me, yeah, and be like, yeah. "Hey, you got five minutes?" Yes. And everybody gets annoyed because like, oh, like software sales or whatever it is, or or anybody trying to sell anything to our company. And I'm like, "No, this is interesting. Like, let's yeah. watch what. Let's watch what they're doing and mm-hmm. and appreciate it. Like they're just hustling. Like they're mm-hmm. just trying to sell a widget. Like let's let's see if we can actually learn something from this experience. And also, I think." Um, a tip, like a non-hustler, if you're, you know, raising capital, for instance, you might put down ten names, twenty names, yeah, right. thirty names. A hustler, it doesn't matter how many names you put down. It matters about like the conversion rate. So, like a hustler might figure out, oh, I need to actually contact two hundred and fifty yeah, investors yeah. to hit the equation that I need. How do I do that as fast as possible and effectively as yeah. possible?
0: I mean, I think it just it does come down to a mentality of doing things that are not scalable first. Like I always say, mm-hmm. like a good hustler creates chaos first and then yeah. structures yep. things around it. Once yep. things actually start working,
1: I mean, Airbnb and and Zappos are great examples of you know at the early days where basically it was it's hustled hustled into the, yep. into being. Um, you know, Zappos, Tony Shea, started he didn't even know what they were going to be able to sell shoes online so yep. he literally put up some web pages um, sold some shoes you know ha- people actually bought them and Then he went down to the store bought the shoes and then repackaged them up and sent them off done that before exactly. some of that, <laughs> not like, with
0: shoes but with other products done that before
1: some of that like I think like there's a whole term around that
0: called the concierge yeah. so like kind of being essentially manually being the back end of your system without anybody realizing that you're even there right uh, and kind of handling things manually first, and then once actually you know things start to scale out and work, um, do you then guys, you kind of put a system in place.
2: Do you guys think that hustling is looked down
0: upon? I think it's. I mean, I don't know why it would be because I. I mean, I mean, I guess in in classic business, possibly, but in the startup, it's like I mean, you,
1: you've got to do it right. I think people look down on the term hustler for what it's kind of become. Rather than a person who's actually hustling, actually trying to build their business, trying to find the edge, trying to sell their product. And that I don't think that person is typically looked down on. But it's a lot of times people say, I'm a hustler. I'm doing this. And are people that pretend to be hustling, but really aren't, you know, they're they're overworked and they've got too many things on their plate. And they're saying, well, I'm just hustling. It's like, well, what are you actually doing that's moving the, the needle? And I think yeah. there's a fine line between pretending to be a hustler and actually being a hustler
2: yeah what do you guys think is the number one trait of a hustler uh, number one personality trait a hustler needs to have Hmm.
0: I I think it's uh, it comes with just Just one yeah tenacity 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 is a good one Um, I think like you have to be willing to try things that other people are not willing to try
2: shamelessness
1: yeah ah Yeah. yeah
2: yep I think that's a big part of it. If if you're if you have that shamelessness of which I have in spades, you yeah, know, I mean, try something <laughs> and not be afraid of, you know, being made fun of, being embarrassed exactly. or whatever. Like I think that is a huge, huge it's the um I don't give a F. Yeah. Well there is that I don't give a f
0: there ooh, is I a Did I get question- a chicken? What did I get? What did I get? <laughs> ooh, do it again. What do it again. We'll, we'll see. I don't
2: give a f Okay, what sound effect did I get? <laughs> It Ooh, may I, I be
1: different that. each time. Who knows? Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, there is that subversiveness, and I think sometimes that can well, be. What good do or, you mean by subversiveness? So I think. Okay, so Airbnb is an example. And they, they don't typically like to talk about it, but they got a lot of their early traction by scraping Craigslist and against the terms there's of a, service.
2: There's a lot of stories like that,
1: and you know, yeah. kind of built their business on on mm-hmm. that back, or you know, a meerkat kind of hacking Twitter's, um, you know, kind of spamming Twitter followers. Farmville. Or, farmville i mean there's there's a lot of these are they towing the line of ethical nature of it i don't know um but it, it you know got them to the next level <laughs> and and like uber you know you hear a lot of these stories and actually quite frankly most of the billion dollar companies have had some type of tactic or something that's <laughs> right. kind of st- right up to the line yep. or they're
2: still doing it yeah. yep. the problem is you can't you know don't cross the line you can tell the line don't cross the line and Just this morning, we were talking about um, how we're going to start email blasting for Inside Outside (laughs) Podcasts. And like immediately without hesitation, I'm like, oh, I should like, you know, scrape my LinkedIn profile list for all our partners and, and just, just like email that and just like and, and I could tell Brian cringe and no, I was like, Why no, is he no. oh yeah. No. They can they can unsubscribe. They're just LinkedIn people. It's you know fun. what
0: I you know what I think.
2: So if you're on my LinkedIn, get ready for it. <laughs> email blast from inside to outside.
0: You know what I think all of this comes down to? And I, I like we see tons of startups, right? All three of us were exposed to startups yeah. all the time. Yeah. Various degrees. Of startup founder, um, I think that there's a a sense that there's two types of founders, and you can tell in their eyes whenever you meet them the first time. Yeah, it's like the founder who will do anything to make it. Yep, anything, and you can tell. You can see it. You can see it uh, in, I, in their blood. I
2: see it when I'm presenting. Yeah, and somebody asks a questions or something, and you can look in their eyes, and you're like, oh, that person. Yeah, that that woman, she is coming. Yeah, like watch out.
0: Totally. And then there's there's the startup founder who. Um, just kind of wants everything to happen, <laughs> you know. It's like they sit back and they they build an app or they'll, they'll design something, yep. and then they, they they expect the world to kind of beat a, a path straight to their door yep. and give them millions of dollars. People
2: grossly underestimate how much hard work, it's, how much pain, how much everything it takes to make something work, and they just read all this business porn. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it is. in that whole saying, like, um, you'll find the truth that you seek out.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And,
2: and people, if you want to believe that it should be easy, you're going to find yourself on Google reading and absorbing crap. Yeah. That makes it seem easy. That feels good. Um, whereas that other personality that you described, like they very quickly become accustomed to like, this is going to be hurt and be painful. But then someday, Somebody's going to look back on it and say like over, you know, what is it? Like, like took me 10 years to be an overnight success. Like you hear that (laughs) saying from people all the time.
0: Stay with us for an interview with CEO of assist and startup ninja Shane Mack.
1: So here's a question. Can you be successful without being a workaholic or without being an extreme shameless hustler?
0: That's a, that's an interesting one. Um, Well, a workaholic is different than a shameless hustler. Let's define the two terms separately. A workaholic, I think, is, I don't even like that term because I don't, I, I think a holic is being like something <laughs> negative. Right. And I, I just think yeah. like being a person who works very, very hard, that's okay. Um, that's the vehicle that gets you there. Some people enjoy work. I love work. Yeah, me too. I like 100,000%
2: enjoy every minute of what I'm doing. And so. Yeah, people, so
1: some some person looking at you said, oh, you're a workaholic, but you don't perceive it as that. or Yeah,
2: yeah. And I, I get emails, people are like, take take the weekend off or get out. I'm like, no, this is actually, I, I is really enjoy this. Yeah, this is, this is what, what you I do. do. I enjoy this. And that, that didn't actually happen. Like that I was a process of getting there. But I think that there is a very rare breed That can, but also I'm going to do do my thing where I say, "Well, define success. Like, what does that want to be? You know, if I think it's easier to, um, if you want to define success as a profitable business, like a lifestyle business, um, you can kind of manage your time much easier than if you want to create something to destroy and change a market. Then you're probably going to have to work crazy intense for a really long time.
1: And I think early on, you, you. Regardless if it's if it's an independent lifestyle business or a high growth startup, I think early on you pretty much have to be all in. Uh at least when you say you make that jump and say, I want to do this, yeah. there's an amount of work at that early stage that is a significant mountain to climb, regardless yeah, yeah, of the business, yeah. whether it's a lifestyle independent and, business or I'll go back to the previous point and the fact
0: that I like just pure like this is the hardest thing that I've ever done. Like I remember leaving my previous company and thinking like Nobody, unless you are a founder, like an actual founder, you don't understand this. But like, it felt like the war was over, and I didn't. Like the day after I left that company, I was like, "What do I do?" Mm. Like it, it was only, it was like one of the most surreal, yeah, like feelings of my yeah. entire life. Like I felt like, "Holy crap!" Like I've been fighting for the last two years, yeah, uh, and this is the hardest thing that I have ever done. Yep. And if you are not like hustling in that environment, you're doing something wrong.
2: Yeah, I always find these moments where I'm like not thinking about work and I'm like, what's, what's happening right now? And I'm like, Oh, I
0: just spent two hours not thinking about work. Like that was, that was crazy. I feel guilty. Like when I, like Paul Graham said something one time, uh, he said, if you're not thinking about your startup in the shower, then something's wrong. And I, I always like get out of the shower and I'm like, what did I think about? I audit my thoughts as I leave Mm. the shower and I'm like, what, what, what was I thinking about? And so I feel guilty if I wasn't thinking about. Oh, really? <laughs> my, <laughs> I, fi- I find
2: myself thinking about work and then how can I be a better human, which in turn applies to work. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. And I also, I think I've, I've, in the last three years, because frankly, I mean, the amount of work that I was putting into our company, like probably losing my mind a little bit, I found myself reframing it as learning. And when mm. I spend time working, I'm just learning and I'm just trying to learn as like i'm trying to learn faster than everybody else so yeah, yeah. when i put in time over the weekend and on memorial day you know like i'm i just view it as like oh i'm just learning faster than everybody else's right now like they're all you know out at recess playing and i'm inside reading the textbook and i'm well, and that's, it, part, of that's part of the hustle that's part
1: of the hustle it's like what what can i learn that's going to make the difference in my business
2: yeah. and you will learn the 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 smallest dumbest nuggets somewhere (laughs) that apply. You know, you you can watch like a two-hour you know presentation online, or like a TED talk, or you know watch seventeen TED talks, or whatever it is that'll apply to something. And then you come out with that one nugget, and that one nugget can just be absolutely you know yeah a game changer.
0: I like what you said about business porn. Also, on the converse, on that, yeah. I think, um,
2: Rob Adams, I can't take credit for that. Rob Adams through a pipeline kind of pounded that into our heads for market validation. He's like, it's all business porn out there. They just want your clicks.
0: I think, I think some (laughs) of it is, I think, um, there's a sense of like whenever you're a first time founder, you kind of need those things to kind of point yep. you, it kind of gives you a compass. Like you don't even yes. have a
2: compass before yeah. you start. You learn to ask a
0: question. Exactly. You don't even
2: know what the question is, but those things help you. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm almost to the point in my life where I'm just like, ah, screw all that. Like I'll just figure it out. Yeah. I don't know. There, there's more to learn obviously, but like I'm, I'm just going to grind and do whatever it takes. Yes. To,
2: to I, get it I get what you're saying. I read that stuff exponentially less than yeah, I used to. Too. <laughs> I used to spend like so many nights and yeah, yeah. reading all of this like startup material and yeah. and now it's like, well, I'm just going to go try this and I'll learn faster than yeah. reading it and pondering it. Here's my question for you guys. What is the number one example in your life, business or otherwise, that you've hustled?
1: I've got a couple of examples. Back in the days when I was building out Gardner Group's consulting practice in Asia, there was a lot of times there was two of us in Asia and so we had to both sell and execute on everything else that was going on so oftentimes we'd sell reports or research in, you know countries we had no presence in and like we'd sold sold it and said okay we can figure it out mm-hmm. um but yeah hustling from the standpoint of like i have no idea how we're going to do this um we have nobody in this was particular google in indonesia tra-
2: was google translate even available back then uh,
1: google wasn't available uh oh, or maybe it was it was it was available but yeah. at the very early stages but um yeah, I mean, it was literally like getting on the on the phone call and trying to find somebody who spoke Indonesian and English that so we could talk to and say, hey, can you interview these five companies there because I wow. can't fly there right now? Um, and then give Go, me something. Going <laughs> to a foreign country
2: without Google sounds scary <laughs> as hell that. to me.
1: Yeah, well, it happened. <laughs> yeah. I think that probably an execution
0: that wasn't perfect, but I was actually really proud of it, was um, taking our kind of automated sales funnel that we had previously built out. It was all self-serve. Taking that and, and and scaling that into a sales process and kind of figuring out what points that you perform certain actions with this customer um, and not for the goal of clo- strictly closing them, but from the goal of closing them and then expanding it within their organization. So identifying um, how big this potential was for each customer. And we had probably 30 companies a day signing up. Um, so taking analyzing each company, taking uh, the upper potential and putting them into different buckets and treating each of them differently, uh, that involved massive amounts of just getting on the phone and talking to so many people. Uh, I think that was probably some of the work that I was most proud of and probably the hardest hustle that I've done.
3: I hate putting borders around locations because I, I, I think I find great people everywhere. And there's a lot of amazing entrepreneurs that I find here. There's a lot that build big companies in SF, there's a lot to build big companies In Cury, Illinois uh, And The only thing I think that is Different is Access to open-minded capital And that's what You know, that's what SF provides you. People are open to investing in early stage companies At a very, very higher rate Than the rest of the world And that's the the difference is like it's harder to raise money and get started here.
2: So, what what do you have to tell uh, those investors in the West, like what?
3: that they should take their money out of their four percent hedge fund and put it in the startup and help the ecosystem grow? Yeah, you know, a lot of rich here, right? This thing is like people with tons of money and they just like stood on it forever. You know? but the only way to really like regenerate a community and invest back in it, and the highest best way to create capital wealth is through companies. I mean, like all of Warren Buffett's wealth is in like nine companies or something. It's like not a lot. This is just my opinion. I accidentally did it, and I think it was the most successful thing I ever did that I didn't know I meant to do. And it's that seven years ago, I was like, okay, I'm gonna start my own company. I know how to do this shit, I don't need to listen to anybody. And I remember I almost did it. I almost went and I was just gonna like figure it out. And instead, I went and worked for someone who I wanted to be and changed my entire life. And I would say, if you've never done it before, Statistically, you should, and you, a lot of people just start. That's fine. I think you just whatever. I'm a big like Just go do it. But to, to optimize for the best chance of success. S- statistically, people under 30 who have never done a company before versus people over 30 that have done a company and did another one, the differences in what becomes successful is so massively different it's like 1% of companies make it if you've never done it before but all you hear is the zucks and the, you know, the, the, the ones that do but the reality is that's not true but the people over 30 who have done a company for that do another it's like 40% and it's, I don't know the right it's so much higher so if you've never done it my advice is to figure out who you want to be like and go work with them or for them and convince them and to do whatever to make you a part of the, like, their journey
2: what's the linchpin to closing like for an entrepreneur with a VC it's like the one thing they need to do just you know, networking I think networking finding people yada, yada, that's easy
3: how to raise money you're asking
2: but like, no just like close how do you ask for it how do you close it
1: <laughs>
3: this is on the internet live this will be on the internet ah oh, fuck it here, I have a really strong opinion about this. So I watched TA raise about five million dollars. I watched Bo raise about thirty-eight million dollars. I don't know who those people. So they're the CEOs of the two co- the last two companies I did.
0: Okay.
3: Uh, I ju- we built Gist. TA was the guy who convinced me to do it. We raised money, and then he's the one who sold it to BlackBerry for about forty-five million dollars. Yeah. Zarly, Bo was one of the best fundraisers on the planet. Assist. We've done a one and a half million seed round, and then I just closed a, a four mil A. So. Fundraising is counterintuitive to the mind. And I got to watch the best two guys in the world do it. Here's a, here's a, I'll give you two things. The first is the best way to get money is to not ask for it. Completely opposite. Everyone goes, hey, dude, I, I, I want to invest. Like, can you give me money? You should do this thing. And like, ah, oh, you know, like, I don't really know. And no, no, no. Desire is greater than desperation. So the single goal you can do, it's the best way to fundraise, set out a three month plan. Say, in three months, I'm going to probably do this. And you go to every person in the world that you know. There's two groups of people angels and seed funds. Seed funds can write a little bigger checks, right? You go to all of them. You take a meeting with anybody, but you're not raising money. Like, probably gonna raise money in the future. Maybe two months, maybe three months, don't know. I got a lot of other people I'm talking to. You now I got these angels, these, but, and then be passionate as hell about your idea. When you're pitching, you need to preempt the things that they're going to ask and push them aside. So dude, we're so small, we don't even have engagement yet, but we know we got to focus on it. They're going to be like, "What's well, the engagement metrics. Like, to fucking throw it out the corner. You have to change it to the narrative of where you're going and the belief and get all the shit that's like, what are the metrics now? Push that aside. And then what you do is you say, can I keep you in the loop? That's it. And they all say yes. And then every week for three months, you say, just give an update. If you have a team and you can actually build product, you just show progress. Every week, you like you shift something new. You built this, try it out. I only say do this if you actually have a product. If you don't have a product, you just have an idea. Do not do this because then you just take people's money and you don't actually build shit. But take it, and every week make the list of people interested in your company get bigger, and send it to all of them on BCC. The list just keeps getting bigger, and all these people are seeing all these other people that are interested. No one said they're going to give you money. Just people that are committed and interested in our round. Make the list grow. Go until you get somebody that is invested in a company that everyone else missed. My lead investor did the seed round and the series B of 50 million in Snapchat and Twitter. Every investor missed Snapchat and Twitter. Once I had him, he said, dude, he was a seed fund. So when you're talking to seed funds, you say, honestly, dude, I don't really know if I want to take institutional money. It comes with all this baggage. He's fucking sales bullshit. And you're like, but you're special, because XYZ, just tell them I'm special. And you have seed funds and angels, and your goal is to get a seed fund to bite. The minute you get a seed funded bite, that is a name that everyone else will go with, you never have to ask for money. You tell them, ah, oh, I don't know, that's crazy, throw me a term shade now, think about it, bam, you have your lead investor. The next update email, whatever this takes, whether it's one month or nine months. The next investor email is, holy shit, Dennis Phelps is leading our round, he led Snapchat and Twitter, we'd be all fucking lucky to have this guy involved, and he is the linchpin, that is the desire and attraction that everyone else wants to invest with. And boom, you'll get emails for days that are like, let me, keep 50 for me, 25 for me, and valuations out of it. Everything's out of it because it's just about chasing. You have to create that environment. It's really, really hard to do because it's counterintuitive to what happens when you need money. You're like, you can tell. So I do a lot of investing. The other side of it is first time entrepreneurs do that. I'm ranting now, but sorry. First time entrepreneurs do this. They say, I'm going to raise a little bit of money to get started. 200K. I'm in the Midwest. Maybe it's like 50K. I don't know. The truth about that is it's easier to raise more than less. Here's why. Investors are about eliminating risk. Early charges are really risky. You have no idea if your shit's gonna work. Everyone's like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Like, you don't know, right? And bizarrely, the only reason we're able to do local services and it's taking off now is because we gave us three years to fuck up, right? Thank God we're good at raising money. I'm not, Bo's, I mean, I'm decent, but Bo is amazing. And what happened was, if you do that, you, think about it in a way of what the investor wants. He wants you to have enough time to figure it out. So when you say I'm gonna raise 200K, and I'm an investor, I go, oh God. First time entrepreneur, instantly. Second thing is you go like this. So you're gonna raise 200K, you'll probably burn it in about four to six months. It takes four to six months to fundraise, so the day you close the round, you're gonna have to start fundraising again, which is not doing product development or getting customers or doing anything, and fundraising is a distraction, so basically you're just gonna fundraise your whole fucking life and do nothing. That's what happens. If you say I'm raising a million and a half, You look way more pro, and you actually have, you know, four tries, six month cycles, you do it for six months, and you don't have to think about fundraising. And it gives all investors more comfort knowing that you have more time. Good investors are like, yeah, this shit's hard. No one really knows, and and the technology, they hit and they hit so big so fast, you're just like optimizing for the team and hope they figure it out. And the truth is like, when you hear that, I'm like, yeah, I'm the last guy in because I'm making sure you can actually raise it. But like the, the way to do it is actually so that you don't have to go fundraise again. Because when I hear you say L- a little bit of money, I go, you're just going to have to go fundraise again. And then money's in your mind and you're stressed and you don't. So give yourself enough runway to get two years, whatever it is, however much your burn is. I don't know if you can live off nothing and do 50K for two years. I think of it in two year cycles, in six month sprints and in four tries. So that gives you four tries to not like completely F up all of them and hopefully one hits. But when investors hear the other, it's like, I get so nervous. And you're like, uh, you'll never give someone 50 K. And then it's gone in like two months and there's no other runway. And so I think those things are kind of counterintuitive that no one talks about. And I don't know, it works. It works. I like, I mean, I, that formula, I have a doc called raise the seed round that I've it's very private, but it's very, very, has every email I've ever written, how the flows go, how to word everything, how the updates go. I've raised probably 10 seed rounds in the last year for people with that. Not like me, but they, they were like, I'm going to raise 300K. I'm like, you're going to raise 2 million. Shut the- up. Here's what we're going to do. Boom, 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 boom. And like, I like advice and ways where I can give a to-do list. I don't like advice. Like, you like my idea? Don't care. No idea. But raise money? Yeah. Black and white. Here's the list. Let's do it. And then, you know, like the league, we helped her raise her round, the dating app. And she raised 2.1 million. She was like, I'm going to raise $200,000. I'm like, no, you're not. And then she got everyone involved. It was great. I want that doc. <laughs>
0: let's
3: go start a company. I'll give you a secret tip. So Bo actually lives in Kansas city, the CEO of Zarley. No one knows that. We fly in, take SF money, get the fuck out. So just fly to San Francisco, take their money, and leave. That's what I would do. Ah, okay.
0: It's
3: too expensive to live there. It's too, I mean, every fucking engineer costs 200 grand. You're, you get poached in nine months. I, I'm there, but I spent seven years building a network there. and like, I have a strong team that i worked with before and whatever, but it's hard, much harder. I would rather do a company here and just go steal their money.
0: That's it for this episode of Inside Outside. If you have a question, feel free to follow us on Twitter at the Podcast. We also thank Shane Mack for taking time to chat with us today. Sound for this podcast is brought to you by bensound.com. Until next time, go build something big.